Hey everyone, this is Jared. I uh, just wanted to drop in here to add a little thought Seth and I had the other day. This was when we were together in between recordings, but we wanted to let everybody know that um, some of these stories we tell, some of these things we remember or that our guests remember, they may not be 100% accurate because obviously we were in a stressful situation. We were in a scenario where there were life and death decisions being made. We were acting fast, moving fast. Um, the person telling the story may have one account where somebody else watching the story could have another. We just wanted to throw that out there. Like These stories should not be considered 100% factual. Seth was uh, going over his campfire story and he remembered somewhere where he thinks he misspoke. Um, and then one of his other friends even texted him and said, hey, I'm gonna have to do a whole new episode just to correct all your mistakes. And it was, he was joking, but the reality is when you're in those situations, you don't see everything from an outside perspective. So we just wanted to let everybody know that these stories are accurate based on our recollection or the guest's recollection of what happened. And they may not be 100% absolutely with certainty, completely factual in a step-by-step -step or play-by-play -play type scenario. So it's what we remembered as we were working through these scenes or these scenarios. Now that being said, Today's episode is sponsored by 108 Real Estate Team. You can find them at 108 Real Estate on Instagram. That's 10 underscore 8 Real Estate and Northland Strength. You can find us at Northland Strength also on Instagram. Those are Seth's business and my business. Seth and his wife run 108 Real Estate. They are realtors and they specialize in helping first responders find the home of their dreams. And at Northland Strength, my wife and I run a private training studio in Coeur d'Alene and she has, my wife actually has a private school that's launching in September called Northland Training Academy. That will also soon be a show sponsor. So if you live in Coeur d'Alene, we've got you covered. If you want to move to North Idaho, Seth and his wife, they have you covered. And with that, we will get started with this episode. Today is our friend Joe, and he is telling his story, his version of the campfire, the same story Seth told last week from a different perspective. Um, like I said, some of their stories might conflict or it might not be the same exact thing. That's because they were each in a life or death situation working for endless hours. So that's that. All right, let's get started with Joe. See ya. Can we just slide on into it? <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. It takes the pressure off right away. It does. It's just like everything we did for the last five minutes. But now we're recording. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, so yeah, there's as far as campfire is what it is. <laughs> Twenty eighteen. Um, I guess just dive into it, man. You got a kind of a pretty unique story, I would say. I don't, I don't know though, because I haven't talked to a ton. I talked to these guys in my agency, and a lot of them were like, oh, "I'll do a road closure here at the bottom of the hill." And they jumped on that. There's a few guys that were like in it, um, but not that many from my agency. But there must have been hundreds of guys up there from sheriff's department, you know, and PD obviously up there. Paradise had its own police department. Small. I don't know how many guys they have. How many towns are up there? So there's Paradise, Medelia, and then the next ridge over is Concow, which is like not really a town. It's just there's a bunch of houses up there, but it burned in. They burned in 08. It burned in 08. It, and, and a lot of houses burned down then, so it was kind of rebuilt, but it's 
it's a mixture of nicer houses and trashier houses. Um, and that got toasted again, like raged through there. And uh, crazy. Yeah. Well, let's start with this. Our friend Joe is back. Hi, Joe. Yeah. Round two. Yes. <laughs> you awake? I'm very awake now. <laughs> you sure? Almost He's, you're drinking that coffee on. fast yeah. today. <laughs> we can have a, have a Keurig here. We can make more if you want. But Joe and Seth had a fun day yesterday on the lake. Uh, yeah. When I say fun, I mean rough. <laughs> oh, so life's rough up here in Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so today we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the campfire, uh, Joe was there, um, hold on, it's not a campfire, like, when you're camping, correct, the campfire is the name of a fire complex, a big one that burned down some cities, yeah, in Northern California, 2018, that's a good thing to clarify, because that is very confusing to people, yeah, we're going to talk about a campfire we had one time, oh really? Yeah, well, I mean, we can go into that later on a different show about how fires are named and why they're named. But That's a good idea. Is that, is that my wheelhouse? Well, that was a tragic, kind of a tragic name for that one, because then anytime you sit around a campfire, you, you may be triggered, and remember that. Oh my god. Triggered. Triggered. <laughs> we don't like that word, that's right. No. That's stupid. <laughs> Not in that context. <laughs> um, where was I? So, what time did it start? It started like early, right? 6.30 in the morning, I'm thinking, yeah. somewhere around there. It was right around 6.40 in the morning. And you were, I got you were getting off seven, the graveyards. Yeah. I'm assuming this is summer? Uh, November. November, okay. Yeah. So late, like dry season. Yeah, really dry season in Northern California. Like, kind of the tail end of uh, fire season. I think it rained like two weeks later. We were that close to having a good rain. Um, Paradise had, what was the population, 30,000? Somewhere in there, and then Megalia is the next town that's the closest town next to it, which has 14,000 people. Uh, so, all of those people packed on a tiny ridge with very few routes out. Mm -hmm. It was a disaster waiting to happen, and like everybody in public safety knew it. Um, and that day was like the kicker because it was 40 plus mile an hour winds. Really dry. It was windy that night. I remember. I didn't sleep at all that night. I was. I don't. When you live there, you don't sleep well in windy nights and hot windy nights. And I slept like shit. Um. So, that sets it up. Yeah. Kicks off. It's ripe. It's ripe. So you you when did you get when did you hear about it, Joe? I heard the first call because um, I was getting I was at work, and so I heard that there was a fire. Um, out by Concow in the next town over, which is separated by a couple of ridges. And so I knew, okay, there's a fire down there. I knew um, location, what was going on, that it was a few ridges over. So how many, how many miles are you thinking? I'm thinking like 10? The separation? As, yeah. As the crow flies? Yeah, probably. It's it's a ways. It's, it's a good distance. Yeah. Because I wasn't concerned at all. Right. I was... Uh, when I first heard the call, and I knew that they were sending deputies out there and firefighters to go check it out, um, and it was it was literally just starting. Someone had witnessed the start of the fire and said, "Oh yeah, there's a fire down there." And absolute zero worry that it was ever gonna hit the town of Paradise mm -hmm. at that point. So I'm like, okay. Um, 
But yeah, because it was, I'm familiar with the layout, you know, it's never gonna cross a couple of bridges into town. Right, and we have fires there all the time, so we're used to that. You see that blow up and you're like, okay, I can kind of predict what this is gonna do. Yeah. And I know I'm, I've got time. So you were like, all right, I'm going to bed. Pretty much. <laughs> I, leave the off, I leave the office and I tell my, the oncoming day shift guy, I was like, hey, if this fire happens to get down to the ridge by the hospital, Paradise. If it starts to threaten paradise, wake me up because you know I live up there and I need to know. So, yeah. Um, so I said, just call me if it's if they start you know evacuating paradise or it gets close to that. Um, we had been through one in 08 where we had to evacuate, so I just wanted to prep and get everything ready. So yeah, I head up the hill. I'm listening. I have a buddy that works for the electric company up there. Uh, the fire kind of kicked off right at. Um, one of the electric substation areas. So I called him and said, hey, just so you know, there's a fire up there. Um, and so he heads out, I head home. And I get home, I tell my son, I say, hey, why don't you go fill all the cars up with gas? How smart. Because uh, in 08, town ran out of gas. People are fighting at the pumps, trying to fill their vehicles up. So I know there's a fire a couple ridges over, don't want to go through the whole running out of gas thing like lots of people did no way so I'm like let's just go fill the cars up but and I tell the wife I said hey don't worry there's a fire it's a couple ridges over uh, it looks bad because it did I could see it as I was climbing the hill to come home I was like whoa that doesn't look good so, so I got like I gotta interject for a second we have this in, at least in my office so I work for the California Highway Patrol I can say it now because I'm retired and I worked in the same county as Joe um, and in our office, if you if you went outside in the summer and it looked like a nuke was going off in the hills, you knew you were gonna be working for the next few days. And that one definitely looked like a nuke. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Envision like a mushroom cloud, a giant mushroom cloud of smoke. I've seen a few. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely had. looking bad. I remember that thinking, man. And I kept listening to the radio and I'm like, can't believe how bad it looks, but it's not that bad, you know? Uh -huh. It's over by Polga. It's like, it's a small fire, you know? I'm listening to the radio, and I'm like, there's nothing going on, but <laughs> holy crap, it doesn't look good. <laughs> so I tell the wife, don't freak out. It looks bad, but it's not gonna come over here. It's gotta cross two ridges. Like, there's no way they're gonna let it come down over the next few ridges and take out Concow again, mm -hmm. and then come down the next ridge over to us. It's not gonna happen. It's, think, fun, it's funny you say that. There's no way they're gonna let it. Well, like, like yeah. there's any option. <laughs> like, Mother Nature is gonna, uh, yeah. but we felt like that. Cal Fire's really good. I mean, that's they, that's yeah. what I was sitting yeah. here thinking. I almost actually said it, like, Cal Fire, you know, they, they, they do a really good job. There's not, they're not gonna let it take over right. a town. Like, right. calling all resources, all air attack, and just put draw a line across the, you know, in front of the town. That's what I always thought would happen. And, yeah. yeah, so we're at the house, my son's, takes the vehicles to go fill them up. My wife is getting my daughters ready for school. And I'm kind of just hanging out, listening to the radio. And my son comes back and he's telling us, uh, there, or my, then my wife leaves, he comes, my wife leaves, takes my, my girls, drops them off at school, comes back. My son comes back on his last trip because we had to, you know, three cars were filling up. And he's like, they're already fighting at the pumps. Gas pumps. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, there's guys fighting at the gas pumps. And he goes, it's, it's raining outside. And I'm like, no, it's not. And my wife returned now from dropping kids off. So we go outside. 
and I, I can hear stuff hitting the rooftops of the cars and stuff as we're driving, and I'm, I'm like, that's not rain, it's ash. It's like thick chunks of ash coming down, and you can hear it bouncing off the roof. You can hear the debris bouncing off your roof. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so at that point, I tell my wife, I was like, yeah, we need to start packing. Um, and then the phone, her phone goes off immediately. And it's the school saying they're canceling school. The kids were already dropped off, come pick up the kids. So um, she goes and picks up the kids. And I'm like, dang, it's not looking good. I'm just finished my shift. I'm just already out of the uniform type thing. And my buddy calls me and goes, hey, they're evacuating the hospital. They're paralyzing. So I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, it's already crossed the ridge. It's coming up the backside of the hospital ridge. That's terrifying. That was definitely yeah, terrifying. First of all, because that that ridge is well super steep coming up. <clears throat> so Jared's this is more Jared's wheelhouse, but that fire <laughs> is coming up a very steep, heavily brushed, dry ridge right towards the hospital, which I don't know how many people were there. No idea. Well, I mean depending on I'm sure. depending on the weather behavior, you, I mean that's seconds. Yeah. You, there's no time. Right. So I, I remember hearing that on the radio too, and I was like Oh shit! How we get all these people out? Yeah, so. it's an interesting point though. There's there's not one small town in America that's prepared to evacuate their hospital. Right, not one. That's a big deal. Yeah, even a bigger city would struggle with that. Like just strictly resources based, but no small towns are ready for that. And you got to think there's people getting prepped for surgeries and mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff going on. That yeah, it was a normal day until yeah. What, what time are we at? Eight o'clock now? Probably eight. Yeah. yeah, it was right around eight. It wasn't very, very long after I got off, maybe eight thirty. Um, so my buddy tells me that. So I call my wife and I say, "Hey, where, where are you at?" And she tells me whatever road she's on by the school. And I said, which is at the lower end of Paradise. Mm -hmm. uh, like right. Luckily, it was pretty low. Just quick shot down to the valley. And so she calls, and she tells me that, and I say, hey, go straight down. I said, go to Chico, get out of town. And she's like, no, I'm coming home. She wanted to get some stuff, you know, typical. Everyone's reaction, they want to get, get their personal belongings. I'm like, no. I was like, go to Chico. And um, I was throwing my uniform on, and she's like, I'm, I'm coming home. And she hung up on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I called her back, and I just pretty much yelled at her and said, do not come home. I need you to take the girls to Chico. And so she starts crying. So I, she asked if she can go to her parents' house, which is towards the bottom, it's on the way to Chico. So I was like, yeah, go, go to your parents' house because I knew that her dad would take care of her. So I was like, it's already in paradise. It's coming up the backside of the hill. You need to get out of here. So I get dressed and I tell my son, I said, hey, grab the dogs and just head out. So he does. He's, well, he puts the dogs in the, in the kennel and loads them up in his, his vehicle. And then he comes running back in the house. And I'm still throwing my gear on. And he says, uh, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, dad, the guns. I was like, oh, good call. <laughs> you know, my mind, I'm scatterbrained. I'm just listening to the radio. I'm hearing, uh, essentially what I'm hearing is people my department at the hospital screaming for help that they're being surrounded by fire. So I'm like, holy shit. So I'm starting to stress and throw myself together. And then he 
throws the guns in the car and comes running back. I was like, what now? He goes, my Xbox. <laughs> he had his Xbox and his flat screen TV. And that was, that was it. Believe it. Yep. It's, it's important. Yeah, 16 year old time. kid. Yeah. <laughs> what goes to their mind? <laughs> guns and Xbox. Cool. So he takes off. I take off. I'm now in my vehicle. So I take off behind him and he heads down towards downtown or towards out of town. And I start leaving. And I make a beeline for the hospital. As I get towards the hospital, I mean, it's, I can hear, like I said, I can hear people saying that they're sheltered, going to be sheltered in the place at the hospital. And uh, they're being surrounded by fire. So it was already dark. It was already dark. Yeah, yeah, headlights, um, on. headlights were on. You know, it's eight, nine o'clock maybe. I don't know. In the morning. In right. the morning. I can't even tell the time. It's a blur. But yeah, I'm, I'm making my way and Traffic's not moving. The first thing I notice is that I'm like, damn, we need to have somebody at these intersections because we need to have just the, the flow of traffic out of town needs mm -hmm. to be open. And people are like panicking. There's people, cars all over the place. And I see, remember seeing like motorcycles like off the side of the road, you know, just driving wherever they can drive through yards or whatever. Yeah. It was already starting. <clears throat> and so as I'm heading towards the hospital, there's a line of cars not moving, just stuck on like a, a, a two-lane road with pine, tall pine trees everywhere. <laughs> and that's how you get to the hospital. I mean, we lived in a mountain community. There was trees everywhere, pine trees. Just, um, so you kind of can picture that. And as I'm trying to finally get down to, I can turn in the entrance to the hospital. And there's a guy who worked for the DA's office. He, he's coming out. He rolls his window down. I'm in a marching. He's in a marching. He's got his lights on. He's like, we gotta, he's like, turn around. He goes, don't go in there. We gotta, we gotta get these intersections opened up. And I knew that as I was going in, but I was hearing people screaming for help, like we need more people, more resources. So yeah. I was going to the hospital, that's where my people were. And so I get to the entrance, and so he's telling me to turn around, like let's go work on these intersections. So I'm like, all right, well, you just left there, you told me you know, you know what you need. So I turn around, and I have to do like an 80 point turn because mm -hmm. nobody cares. I'm, I, no. The one thing that I can tell you is, is in, a, in that situation, lights and sirens don't mean shit. <laughs> no. They don't care. Nobody moves. They're like giving you the finger. Like, <laughs> pretty much you felt like they're giving you the finger, not literally giving you the finger, but they're not moving. They're not Some of them are. In Florida, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Like, it's everyone's panicked and they all feel like they're going to die. So at that moment in time, it doesn't matter. They're not going to move over to let you through because there's cars literally burning up at this point. So I'm. Yeah. I'm finally getting myself turned around. I'm stuck in traffic. Nobody's moving. And I am watching cars behind me. In fact, a guy that works for me was in an unmarked SUV. Like four cars behind me. Ambulance is on fire. His car's on fire. It is like, and it's coming. This, the, you just see ashes blowing across your windshield. So you bright embers and black smoke. And I'm, I probably at that point was maybe less than a quarter mile from where my entrance to the uh, hospital was. I had probably made a quarter mile up the road. And Question, Are, in California, did law enforcement carry tent shelters? We did, we did not at the time. Do you know? I do now. Yeah. I have, we have, you do personally or the department? The do? department has, yes, they've given us the shelters yeah. and we got the Nomex gear. Like it's, yeah. It was a game changer for, for us, but yeah. I, I, we had them in our cars, but they were like the, the old 
crappy ones that Cal Fire gave away. They were gonna like throw out. Well, that means they don't work anymore. I'm sure, but if, <laughs> if there was there was a, a hint of uh, comfort in the back of your mind, like maybe I'll make it through this if I deploy. If you do it right, you can. Yeah, definitely. Or if you're if you're stacked between a row of you know this giant been, pine trees on either side of the road, this would have been really good information at the time. Probably not gonna help you, <laughs> but if you can find a like a opening and clearing and set it up and get all the debris away from you and like the fire's not right on top of you. It's definitely gonna help. We had a lot of training after yeah. the fire. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Although for sure, we'll probably never need it again as much as everyone did that day. Well, I'm sure they will. <laughs> but will those guys still be there? That's the question. <laughs> Back to the story. <laughs> so the thing about paradise where, where we were is there's a, like three main roads that go up the mountain and then there's roads that go across the mountain, I guess if you could say. And so there wasn't a lot of cross streets to turn off of. There was a there was a grid and there wasn't too many, so you had to get to that next cross street. Well I'd probably moved a quarter mile up from the from the entrance to the hospital and I still had a mile or so to go before I got to the cross street where I could make my way towards town and do what I needed to do for traffic. And traffic was was at a standstill going up and down. There was no one moving, like I said. I'm watching stuff burn. These ashes are coming across. I feel the heat inside my car. I can literally, I remember feeling the heat off the windshield. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. And I start trying to text um, my son, like, where are you at? Like, I need, I was panicking because I couldn't, I felt like I wasn't able to function properly until I knew that my wife and my son and my daughters were not in the situation. Like, mm -hmm. It's a weird feeling. If you can't do your job as a law enforcement or maybe a firefighter or ambulance guy, you can't focus on the problem if you're worried about your loved ones. Like, so I was, I just needed to know that they were gone and off the hill because I was starting to panic myself and I'm like, holy shit. All right, just let me know that they're good and then I can be good. So, and I'm trying to send these texts and where I'm going with this is, the, the towers were overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. texts weren't going through. I don't know if it was the smoke. I don't know what it was, but my texts weren't going through. My phone calls, so I couldn't make a call out. So mm -hmm. I'm like drastically trying to get these texts out. And finally, it goes through. And my son texts me and tells me he's stuck in traffic by Jack in the Box. No, we actually got a phone call. That's what it was. And he's like, he's like, Dad, he goes, I keep, I'm by, by Jack in the Box. And Jack in the Box was probably a mile from where he started. And mm -hmm. I'm over here. I'm like, uh, time had elapsed. I'm like, what, what is going on? He's like, nobody will let me in the road. Like everyone's like, just nobody's letting anyone move and people are going the wrong way down the road. And so I yell, I tell him, I said, go the wrong way. He goes, what if I get pulled over? I said, you're not going to get pulled over. Go the wrong <laughs> way. Go. So, what was he like? 70? He's 16. Yeah. yeah. Like how scary is that for that a kid that age? Yeah. He's like, someone tried to jump in his car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's like, some dude tried to jump in with him. Like to get a ride would take yeah, a car. To, to get a ride with him. He's like, I have the dog. And, oh my gosh. Yeah, so he's like, just drive the wrong way and get out of town. So he does that. And uh, yeah, I texted my wife, I love you. Um, and at that point, like I said, I, I had, I made the decision that I'm watching cars burn up. And so I needed to get out of my car. I, I couldn't decide, you know, I didn't have much fire training at all. There was none prior to this mm -hmm. event. 
You know, there, we never got fire trained. We never got, hey, this is what should happen. Mm-hmm. It was just send the cops in and go do evacuations. And just, well, yeah, we're going to do that. And, right. That's, you know, that's uh, interesting to me because like Cal Fire, California specifically, like the, in worldwide, they're probably the most experienced and well-versed at urban interface, which is what that is. It's like wildfire and urban interface. Um, they have by far the most knowledge and experience, hands down, probably in the whole world. But law enforcement there is, doesn't get any of that. Like, just a little, hey, this is what should happen. This is what we should do. This is how this is going to go. That never happened before this? Never. That's crazy. No. We have a good working, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of ap- after action stuff has mm-hmm. been put in place, and it's a game changer now. We can talk about that later. But yeah, prior to this, it was never happened. Um, so, yeah, I made a decision, like, I'm not going to die in my car. Um, that's what I felt like. I was like, if I stay in my car, I was getting hot, the smoke was coming in, and I'm like, I'm going to just get out and run. I knew if I got to that next intersection, that was, it would be a lot better, because when I came in from that intersection, it was clear. So, I just figured I'd get back there. There was a highway patrol officer that was at that intersection. I remember seeing him. So, you're on foot now? So yeah, I, I made the decision to exit the car, and you, I headed. You know what street you're on? I'm trying to think where you were Pence at. Road. So uh, I was on Pence. Were you heading downhill or up? I was heading uphill towards Billy Road. Okay. And there's a little market right there, and that's where the CHP officer was. And I remember thinking. Did you take anything with you? I did not. When I ex, I, I had my phone. Mm-hmm. That was it. I had my guns. I left everything in the car. It was a. I am not gonna lie. It was a panic moment. I did, did you lock panicked. it? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so it, I, my thought was is I didn't want to, there was cars everywhere and I didn't want to be that asshole that left his car yeah. in the road and nobody could move it if they need to move it, but nobody was going anywhere at that point, but I just, I ran. Um, and I got up to, to uh, where the CHP officer was at the intersection, it was clear, and I'm like, we need to get the, and everyone's just sitting there. How far was that, the run? You know? Quarter mile, mile? Probably, yeah. Probably like a half a mile, quarter okay. mile, somewhere in there. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember when I got through. It was so crazy that there's like a wall of smoke. And once you're out of the wall of smoke, mm-hmm. it was like pff, sunlight. <laughs> and like, you know, obviously no cars are moving. And the, the CHP officer was just standing there. And he he was useless because. To be clear, that was not Seth. It was definitely not Seth. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he was just standing not judging him, but there was nothing he could do. Right. There was cars everywhere and nobody was moving. There was cars coming down the hill, there was cars going up the hill, and everybody was trying to turn on Billy Road to get to the center of town to exit town. It's funny, I, I, I've never been to Northern California or dealt with their fires, but this is the exact scenario that happens in Florida when people decide to finally evacuate for a hurricane. Like it's identical, no mm-hmm. questions. It's the same thing. It's just chaos. chaos, No traffic's moving. People are doing whatever they can do to get out of there because they waited too long or like the storm was coming. It had a projection and like the day it switches, people just lose their mind. Like if it turns towards the state, people are like, oh my God, we got to go. We got to get to whatever, Georgia or Tennessee or wherever they're going. And it never works. Like Mm. they're just stuck on the interstates. Cars break down everywhere. It's a disaster. Apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah, and there was no, uh, and this for this one there was no wait last minute thing. It just kind of snuck up on everybody, mm-hmm. and there was no evacuation warrants. There was no nothing because like, anybody that could have done it was all trying to evacuate hospital and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And that's the other issue. Um, so when you have people fleeing the town, first responders can't come up into town. Right. They're just, like you said, going the wrong way and stuff. And so we have, the, they had a really big issue with getting resources up there. So I felt like, and we talked about this afterwards, it was the guys that were up there were the guys that lived up there. So the first responders, like you couldn't really, they had a hard time getting resources up there once it was kicking off to mm -hmm. this level. And so it was pretty much the, the ones that were there were the ones that lived there. And so they were fighting to do what they could do for their town. Um, but yeah, so I get up there and I was like, okay, cool. And I tell this guy, the CHP officer, I'm like, we got to get all these cars. Like there's cars burning up back there. We got to pull them off the side of the road. I have a question about that. Um, like in Florida, there's certain little towns. It's just like a common place for people to live. Like uh, people that work for Metro-Dade, like Miami-Dade County, they will, a lot of them will live outside of there in a couple of little towns. Or people that work for the city of Orlando, the fire police, they'll live like in my hometown or one of the, like some of the smaller towns outside of there. Is your town like that? Like were there other agency off-duty people there? There are other agency off-duty people there, yes. That, were they helping or trying? I, I think everybody was trying. I mean, from what I saw, but I was stuck in my little area, yeah. you know. Um, but what I learned, yes, there was a lot of people that were just off-duty um, and doing what they can do. So I, I see the CHP officer and I'm like, hey, we gotta get these cars off. We gotta get them. There's their cars burning up by the hospital. So let's pack this parking lot. And there was a, um, there was a fire truck right there too, because there's a fire hydrant. And so I, I'm like, we gotta get these people in, in this parking lot. Let's start packing cars. So that's um, essentially what we did. I ran back to my vehicle. Uh, I'm like, all right, cool, we'll have a plan. Like this traffic's gonna start moving. Like we're gonna get these cars up here. And I remember going running back to my vehicle and I couldn't breathe. Like I got through the smoke and I was inhaling smoke and I was like, oh God. Like I never felt that experience before, mm -hmm. like thick smoke. And yeah, it sucks. Um, I, again, panic mode. I'm like running and there was a, I remember there's an old like uh, F-150 truck with a, an older gentleman in it and I'm banging on his window because I'm choking up on the smoke and he rolls his window down. I like jump. It was the weirdest thing. I jump in through the through the driver's door window, <laughs> and I'm like on my belly with my vest on and everything, and I'm like breathing the air from inside the truck because I couldn't breathe. And so I take a few deep breaths and I say, "All right," and I get back to my car, run back to my car, and at this point, my there's a fire on top of my hood. <laughs> um, so it's like down by my windshield wipers. And so what was happening is is the the pine needles and stuff, the debris was falling down on my windshield and it was on fire. It was yeah. catching everything down there on fire. So I grabbed my fire extinguisher out of the trunk, put it out, get back in the car, uh, start start to go again, and now there's flames up from under my car again. It was like coming up through the, through the hood of my car. So I jumped back out, opened up my hood, fire extinguisher real quick, shut the hood, throw my fire, get back in the car, Throw my fire extinguisher in the passenger seat. Well, my fire extinguisher went off when I did that, and then it took <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's whatever little bit, you know, the stuff I had. When I threw it, the handle must have hit. And let me tell you, I'm not familiar. I wasn't familiar with fire extinguishers either. And like, I mean, yeah, you pull the pin and you squeeze the handle, right? Yeah. It sucked the air out of my car, the cab of my car. Like, I couldn't breathe in my car. I was, oh, it was crazy. <laughs> like, damn, I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. Stuff's nasty, you don't want to breathe that. Yeah, I just rolled down the window and I got smoke or I got the fire extinguisher. I don't know what was better, but. What up? Were you driving a Crown Victoria? Oh, yeah, it was a Crown Bay. Yeah, yeah it was a tank scanner, the workhorse. 
Yeah, and so we, traffic starts moving. We get to the parking lot finally, and again, it was the only law enforcement I knew at that point was in that general area, was that CHP officer and myself and the firefighters. And so, get to the parking lot, and then we're stacking cars trying to get as many people in the parking lot. Like, this is gonna be our stand. Like, this is, everything's burning around us now. It's pretty, pretty, getting really, really bad. But you had a fire truck, right? There was a fire truck. And so like this an engine or? An engine, yeah. yeah, a fire engine. And so, I'm like, this is, this is where we gotta make our stand. We're gonna have to shelter in place here. Like, I, there was no option. Uh, and as I were doing so, another one of my partners, another march unit from my agency pulls up and there's three, uh, three deputies in the, in the car and I'm like, whoa, you know, we don't ride double up normally or nothing. So yeah. it's like, my, I felt immediate, once that happened and they got there and I was like, okay, we got this. I got some team members. Fuck yeah, we got team members. I am, my, my sense of, uh. I didn't feel like we were, you know, there was anything bad was gonna happen at that point. Now I'm, I'm renewed hope that now I got my team members with me. We're gonna, there's nothing gonna happen. You know, it was a great feeling. It was, it's definitely after going through the the range of emotions that I had experienced thus far, that sticks out in my mind. Like once that, I was the happiest ever. <laughs> I can't even express the feeling of like just hope and just being happy that they were there with me. So I was like, yes, all right, I'm not gonna die. The, you know, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it is too. You know, we always have this saying like two deputy sheriffs can handle anything. Well, we got four of us. We're good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So they pull up, and I was like, "Oh, what happened?" And you know, one of the guys in, in the car, he's like, "Yeah, my car burned up back there." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Where at?" He tells me, "I was like, oh, dude, you're one of the cars behind me. I was watching catch fire." And he's like, "Yes." So he had an SUV, his expedition, and it was unmarked, and it burned up on the side of the road, and the ambulance in front of him burned up, and so he caught a ride, and they. That's how that worked out. So, um, fire boys were just, I tell them, hey, Billy Road now was on fire. So, the, our exit to Billy to get out of town, there was cars blowing up. Like, it was, I walk up the road and there's cars everywhere and literally explosions are happening. And I'm like, all right, we're not going there. <laughs> so, our only option is to go up the mountain even further to get across so we can come back down because mm -hmm. we can't go down by the hospital or anything's burning up down there. So, uh, yeah, the fire engines hooked up to the, essentially to the uh, fire hydrant, and they're just rain burning all around us. Is what they're doing. They're spraying their hose and just, just keeping everything wet, spraying on all of our cars. And I felt like we were probably there for forty-five minutes or an hour. It was a long while. I remember. How many fire guys were on that engine? Uh, Two. Four. If I had to guess, it was four. Okay. It was three or four. I remember talking to. Uh, the head guy, I don't know, uh, that was on the engine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, yeah, this isn't looking good. He goes, nope, he goes, he goes, we got stuck here. He goes, we were trying to get to the hospital and obviously we couldn't, so. Did they have, were their radios up? Did they have communication? I, I, I don't remember, um, they probably did. My radio was up and we were hearing all kinds of crazy stuff on the radio. Yeah, it was, it was uh, you horrific. You get traffic out on any radio, it was yeah. chaos. Um, yeah, it was pretty horrific, the radio transmissions that day. Um, I remember at, at that moment in time when we were sheltering in place, it was happening all over town that uh, officers and deputies and just any law enforcement was, was on the radio, you know, hey, we're surrounded by fire, we're going to shelter in place. It was just, it was getting worse and worse. And there were some guys on the radio, I remember thinking that 
I just heard somebody say their last transmission, like they just died. They were screaming for help, saying they needed air, saying that they were surrounded by uh, fire and that they had nowhere to go. And by deputy? It was a Chico uh, officer. So someone from Chico, the town below mm -hmm. us, made it up and they were helping with the evacuation. So that was kind of how it happens, is that they mm -hmm. let, send their people up. So I remember him screaming, and I don't even, I think it was, I don't know, it was, I think for some reason, I don't know who it is, but I remember it was Chico 85. <laughs> I believe it was Chico 85, that number sticks Whoever with that is. Whoever Chico 85 is, is I heard that number. And, um, and he was like, yeah, we're abandoning our cars and we're surrounded by fire. We have nowhere to go. I need air attack. And then the radio went silent. I mean, it was just a... And they died? No, they didn't. No, no law enforcement. I'll just throw this out there that no law enforcement or first responders, emergency personnel. Mm -hmm. well, I heard at least two people, same thing on, on our radio, which was just CHP officers that were screaming, asking for airdrops of water. So normally in the radio, I mean, you put something on the radio, you expect someone to come help, right? Yeah. But no. they ain't coming. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. They actually said, I remember the dispatch at the time, he actually said that they don't have resources. Mm -hmm. They can't send, they don't have resources. And they told him that um, we don't have any air resources because of the winds and stuff. Yeah. Imagine how the dispatchers felt. Like, and then it was silent. Really helpless. With all the chaos going on, it was radio silent. I remember I looked at my, my guys that were with me and I'm like, holy crap. Like, I've been that person a few times, like on one of those crews calling for help, and they're like, No, 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 we can't help you. It's that's a shitty feeling, yeah. yeah. So, while we were sheltered in place, like I said, there was fire all around us, like it was getting pretty chaotic. There was, I remember seeing a big ass bear, a big old bear, no dude, and it was running, came running out of the fire right in front of us, down the, in, into more fire. Was it on fire? The bear was not on fire, um, yet, yeah, I don't, yeah, there's, but it just. I remember seeing you, just a big old bear, just running down into the what fire picture, from a fire. Right? Yeah. In town, right? Yeah. It's not that uncommon, you know, they come get their trash or whatever, yeah. the community, but yeah, broad daylight. And so people were panicking, and I was trying to keep the calm, I was trying to like just keep everybody calm as much best I could do. There was a lady, um, so because we were so close to the hospital, that the ambulance had caught fire, uh, there was a lady that was in labor that was in that ambulance. And oh, so that she was now in the back of the car in our parking lot. And so we have some nurses there and we have some um, hospital people. I mean, we had a, just a wide range of people that were with us. Were your fire units, were they all ALS? Were there medics on the trucks or not? <clears throat> yes, I believe all. I don't know if they're medics. Oh, no, no, they're not. They're, I think they're just EMT. EMTs. EMTs, okay. So they had some yeah. gear. Yeah. Yeah, they, they probably had some gear. And, and I know that whatever, they had going on over here, you know. Um, but yeah, people started panicking and there, there, there was one lady, all of a sudden we're sitting there and we're just like, you know, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Like, we're not leaving, we're staying here. So we got a, we got water and we got a fire truck. You're we're, in a big parking lot, right? Yeah, we're in a big oh, parking that's lot. That's the best place to be at yeah. the moment. And not that big. It's, it really wasn't that big. <laughs> it's I guess better than being trapped in the yeah. road between two walls of pine don't, trees. Don't picture like a Target parking lot. No, no. It was a parking that. lot probably, I don't know. A couple hundred feet across. A couple hundred feet across. Yeah, it was It was basically one convenience store parking lot by itself. Okay. So that's where we were. And um, there was a lady. I, I heard yelling and screaming. And she, all of a sudden, she throws her car in drive and like peels out and goes into the fire, like drives away. And I'm like, holy, like where did? She, yeah. She killed. She had to have died. 
Like I know she had to have died because where she went was that on Billy and there was balls of fire happening, there was explosions happening and there was, the roadway was blocked with cars everywhere. So and she even, couldn't have made it through. There's no way she made it through. I know there, because I went up there and scouted like trying to figure out can I might cruiser push some of these cars away. I was going to have the fire truck, but we couldn't turn the fire truck around. I'm like, we need to, there was actually a, a house, two houses up. So on the same side of the road as the market that I was at. And when I went to scout, there was a guy there with a water, he had a water tender in his front lawn. Yeah. And he was a, a retired, I don't know if he was retired Cal Fire or whatever, but he was a retired fire guy. He had no mix gear on. Yeah. I thought he was there as a first responder to like help us out. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so I'm like, hey, can, can we get this water tender to like shove this, shove these cars out of the way to open up the road? And he, I don't wanna, he, he looked at me and goes, he goes, I'm retired. He goes, I'm saving my house. And I was like, yeah, it was kind of a, and I kind of looked at him like, what do you mean you're saving your house? I said, we have people over here. And he's like, I'm sorry. He goes, I've done it for years. He goes, I've got, I'm, this time I'm saving my house. It's my time. Yeah. Kind of like that. And I'm like, okay. I, I just looked him in the eye and I couldn't believe that you're, you're taking that stance and you're not going to help me. But in, in reality, like that truck's not going to push all those cars no, out no, of the no. way. He knows that. So in another reality, his house probably burned down anyway, and his water. Tank. No, he did. He had, well, everything around him was burning, but his house wasn't. And so he's like, I he goes, I'm saving it. And so I let him. You know, he did his thing, and I went back to the whatever and just whatever. But it burned. <laughs> I, obviously, I went back the next day, and I was like, Yeah, this is. Oh, yeah, it's not there no more. Yeah, I let it go. So whatever. What, what kind of noises were you hearing? So propane tanks were going off crazy, like crazy. It was just. Like you can't describe the explosions, but it was definitely all around explosions. Like a constant um, rhythm. Constant rhythm. Boom. Yeah, it was, it was boom, boom, crazy. Um, winds, high winds, and trees, and just circ circling. I was mainly, but other than that, I, I really can't tell. Like I, you know, I, I might have had audio exclusion going on because yeah, definitely stuff. You know, things were just happening, and I was just like. Um, All right, so the guy says no. Yeah, I go back. So I'm back there. Anyways, that's where that lady went. She went towards the explosions, and there was cars on. It's kind of like a little S curve where we were at um, up the road. So she went towards that S curve, and uh, I, I don't know what happened to her, but I guarantee she didn't make it. Yeah. Um, because later, I remember, you know, the aftermath coming back, and you can see all the burned up cars. And, so a Cal Fire guy comes down from up the hill towards us. So, and he says, hey, I think we can get all these people in the grocery store parking lot up the road. And so we have a bunch of resources set up. Uh, this is this is where we need to go. We need to get these people out of here. And it probably, like 45 minutes from now, I was like, great. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have the fire guy lead the way. From he to, He's like, the roads are clear pretty much. He goes, we can get people maneuvered around some of the vehicles that are left. So, we came up with a plan that the fire guy would, would lead the Congo line. We probably had, if I had to guess, a hundred cars or so with us. Oh. I mean, maybe less than a hundred. Probably less than a hundred now. Maybe 50 cars. Yeah. And I'm just, and we're all up on yards. Like, we are just just taking over this, <laughs> the road intersection and wherever, you know, the gas station or the uh, convenience store parking lot, where, where we can fit a car we had. So, we had the fire guy lead the way. CHP, the officer that was still at that intersection was going to be the middle car. Was the other fire guy named Mark Unit? 
He was in a truck, so I, like he, a he wasn't yeah, in a pickup truck. So it was a marching pickup truck. I don't know what his role was at the time, but some sort of command staff. Yeah, not. he was definitely someone that wasn't a boss guy. He was the boss guy, um, or I took him for a boss guy. So yeah, he led the way. The CHP guy got in the middle, and then uh, us four deputies were going to take up the rear and make sure everyone got out. So that's kind of the plan. We execute the plan, start going, and I remember driving past the elementary school and seeing the elementary school starting to catch on fire, and there was a fire truck there, and they were uh, trying to save the, the school as we drove past. It, it was clear. Yeah, it already, yeah, there's no kids or nothing there. Um, all I saw, the only thing in the parking lot was the fire truck, and I see all those guys you know, trying to work on the fire or whatever, uh, save the building. Um, so we're going, and as we turn down so the next road up would have been Wag Wagstaff, and that's where the road that we were turning off of from Pence to head towards the center of town to the grocery store parking lot. Uh, power lines come down across the road. And so power lines come down across the road, and then the tree branch falls across the road. And essentially, it happened at the perfect time because the only people that were impacted by it were, was myself and the car behind me and the deputies. So everyone else had made it through, and it just came to so you were the tail end of the line. We were the tail end of the line. And then, boom, boom, you're cut off. We can't go. We don't nope. have resources to cut the tree up, and the lines are down. And, you know, I'm not playing with electricity, so. Did the engine roll with you, or was it still back in the parking lot? I don't know where the engine went, actually. I, I don't, they might have went to the school I don't, to help the other engine. I really, at, at that moment, that was the last time I saw that engine. I don't know what happened to those guys. Um, so we had to turn around. So we turned around. Um, and we're like, shit, where are we going to go? So... We turned around and went down towards the hospital. And there were still flames everywhere going on, but it wasn't bad. Like it had already burned now. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, stuff was still on, actively on fire, but the raging wall of fire had crossed over. So but now the buildings and cars and things were on fire. Yeah, buildings and cars were still on fire. There were streets still burning, um, but it wasn't like bad like it was when mm -hmm. I initially went down because most stuff had burned up. So we go down and I remember there was a church parking lot and the church parking lot, everything had burned around it, but it was huge, it was a huge parking lot. I'm like, so we went to the parking lot for a minute, we're just kind of mulling over, like, what are we gonna do, what's the game plan? We know we can't go south, we can't go north anymore because now the tree and the power lines are messed up. Um, we can't go south because there's still people screaming, there's still people down there trapped, and we can just, people, was pure chaos down there from the cops that were on the radio, like, don't come this way. So we're kind of just like, well, God, what are we gonna do? So we sat in the parking lot for a minute, and um, I see, it's kind of weird, I'm from Texas, so I see a Texas flag <laughs> on a tree. I'm in a parking lot, and there's stuff burning all around us, and I feel hecka safe, because we're in a wide open space, so perfect spot. And I see this tr this uh, Texas flag waving, and the trees around it are burned, they're burned up, there's a Mustang underneath the flag that's burned up. <laughs> I'm like, there's my sign. I'm like, I, I remember I took a picture of it. And I told the guys, I was like, dude, that's a sign. Like, I'm, that's telling we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. Like, and what um, they say, they're like, oh, bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know, they thought it was funny, but I'm like, we're not from Texas. Yeah. So but, screw but it's you. A sign for me. Yeah. Yeah. Screw you. Whatever. But no, I still got that picture on my phone. It was kind of cool because I just felt like there was a, oh, that was the other thing too. The only thing in the parking lot that didn't burn was a cross. So the church is gone. Uh, decimated. There's vehicles in the parking lot. There's a few people that are have pulled in there and s s sought shelter, and so they're still with their cars. But 
there was a big wooden cross at this church parking lot. So this cross was standing, and then that Texas flag was there, and I'm like, shit, we made it. <laughs> we got shit to worry about now. So then we said, let's go to the hospital and go check out the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and we're in the parking lot at the hospital. Were you walking or driving at this point? We, we drove. We yeah. drove, so we just keep moving back to the hospital. So like the, the in-city or downtown area was cleared of cars and vehicles? Okay. No, this was on the so the hospital is on the outskirts of town, okay. kind of. But the downtown is away. Uh, those cross streets that we had to get to to get to the downtown area. Mm -hmm. uh, the hospital is on the edge of town, out, okay. like literally on the side of the canyon. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Feather River, what uh, west branch of the Feather River, was down in that canyon, and then you come up the canyon, there's a hospital. Like, wow. it's on this, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, why they built the hospital there, I don't know. So we get to the hospital parking lot, and there's a, a bunch of people, nurses and stuff, and uh, at the helicopter pad was the emergency room patients. So they had, mm -hmm. we get over there, and one of the nurses or the doctors tell me that they still have like 20, I think it was 24, but I don't want to say exactly 24, but I'm pretty sure it was 24 patients still left that they had to get out of the hospital. They were right. waiting to get them out. And so, well, I'm showing them the uniform. There's other cops there that were at the main entrance, but they weren't over on this side. And so, did, you, did air support come back now that the fires moved past or not? I don't think they flew. I, they day. never flew. No, all day. So there was no helicopter coming to get them. So even though it flew past where we were, it was still actively <clears throat> tearing up houses and you know, right. and these forty mile an hour winds. It was right. ripping. So yeah, and so she's like, "We have pa patients that we need to get out medevac," um, and so I'm like, "Okay." The hospital, so that's the other thing too. Um, the hospital was actively burning at that point. Some of the hospital was, I could see it. And so even though stuff around us already burned, there was still stuff that didn't burn. And so it was kind of circling winds. And so I was watching stuff catch fire that hadn't caught fire the mm -hmm. first time. And so I'm like, yeah, this is getting pretty, uh, we, need to, we need to get this, these people going. So I get on the radio and I call for any, anybody in the immediate area, if there's any resources, send them our way. And so there was like state parks. We didn't we run into? I think that's where we ran into each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so we we because I got there uh, and everything was on the helicopter pad. And one thing that I thought was interesting, they had wheeled out all the narcotics from the hospital, and there was this giant cart of narcotics. And the guys like, we're just gonna let it burn because we can't leave it unsecured. So they had wheeled it out there, and they were just gonna let it burn, which I I thought was totally wild. Yeah, it's interesting their decision making process around yeah. that because right. it, it, it is secured in the hospital, like it's under yeah. lock and key. If it yeah, burns why, up, so what? Right? Why would they have left it? I don't know, but it was sitting there. And then I, I don't know if you recall, we were standing out there and uh, something at the hospital exploded and it was so big, it like absolutely took the wind out of my, you know, took my breath away. It was just massive propane tanker. So tanker. the fire guys that were there, were they inside the building fighting fire at that point, like trying to save the hospital? I not? saw some that were, yeah, they were, uh, they weren't inside. They were outside doing structure protection. Yeah. Um, and then things started blowing up real big and they were like, we're out. You, you know, got oxygen, you got yeah, must backup oxygen. generators with fuel tanks. You probably have some Huge. sort of um, natural gas or protein, propane yeah. wired in there. Yep. It was getting pretty bad. I remember that. I'm yeah. like, oh shit, like I thought the hospital, so I thought most of it made through the fire. Well, then the fire seemed to be coming back. So I'm like, yeah, we need to get resources and get them out. So what we did is, I said, look, we're just putting them in. Let's put them in the cars. We'll just put them. We didn't have ambulance. There was an, there may have been one ambulance, I think, or two. Did you see the school bus? 
Hmm? Did you go back and steal the school bus? No. There was a so there was an inmate transport bus that showed up from our guys in our jail. So basically, our correctionals at the jail started grabbing vehicles and sending them up, and so they were helping. And so were there inmates the inmate, on them. Were there inmates? No, on them? there was no inmates on them. So it was kind of cool because we could put. I think we got like eight people on that one transport van, mm -hmm. and you know the ambulatory people were just laid out on the on the ground, and they were being worked on inside the vans. We put them in the back of the cop cars. There was a state parks truck. We actually put someone in the back of the state parks truck. We made it work, so it was, I'm just like, all right, we need vehicles, cops, you know, we're putting them in these cars. Well, there was one person that had passed away. So the doctor comes up to me, she's, cause I'm a deputy sheriff and coroner, so she's like, hey, I have a, I have a, um, a person that didn't make it. And, she, and I said, okay. And uh, I said, what, what happened? She goes, well, we took her out of ICU. She was gonna have surgery, but to be honest with you, the surgery was gonna, probably not gonna, Gonna work. We knew that she was gonna uh, most likely not make it through mm. whatever issue she came here with, and so when we had to evacuate the hospital, they had to pull the life support stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And so the doctor had written the time of death on this lady's forehead. It was right. an elderly lady, and so she tells me, you know, I'll, I, I just wrote the time on their forehead, and she and I said, okay. I said, do we know who she is? And she said, there was a bracelet. Uh, she had a bracelet on her hand. I said, okay, um, but it, you couldn't really read it. I don't know, I don't know. I remember trying to like figure out, but, and I said, uh, what was she here? I was trying to get all the amplifying information, but the doctor, it was the doctor. She didn't have any right. thing for me. She said, I think she has a husband, but I don't know who her husband is or whatever. So at that point, um, so we have this body now. And so we get everybody evacuated and we have this body on a gurney. And so there was another, one of my guys there that had shown up now, so people were showing up. We were able to get resources there for that, for the most part. You know, what's really weird is one second you can have resources show up, the next second the roads are, the fires cross the road and everyone's screaming for help and you can't. So it was, it was like that. You, you would think, you get on the radio and say, oh, take this road, it's open. And so guys would start coming and then the next second tree would fall across it or whatever. Mm -hmm. and the flames, the flames just, fire just kept going back and forth. It was raging, like you couldn't, it didn't just burn through an area and stop. And then the winds would push it back over. Everything that didn't burn was burned. So long story short, I, I tell, uh, I wasn't the sergeant at the time and then there was a sergeant on scene. And so, you know, I'm like, hey, we got this, this body and they were gonna put it in the back of the truck. I say it, but they were gonna put the body in the back of a truck. And I was like, no, we're not doing, I, I said, I wanna put it in my car. I wanna put her in my car and I'll take her. I'll get her to Chico and to the mortuary. Um, so that's what we did. He's like, are you, 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 he goes, you're sure? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. I just, I felt like a need to make sure that that person was being taken care of, you know? Yeah. And so How was she, was she in a body bag? No, not at all, just on a gurney. So I took, there was a sheet over her. So I wrapped the sheet around her and picked her up and put her in the back seat of my uh, Crown Vic. <clears throat> and I said, at that point, I left the hospital, everyone was gone. Like, I remember seeing like everybody that was in the parking lot was now, the parking lot was empty, it was just a couple of us left. And so the, par the partner that I picked up earlier, that where his car had burned up, jumped into uh, that sergeant's vehicle, and they went up towards the mountain, and I went down to try to get this person uh, down to the mortuary. And so how, how long was this parking lot ordeal? Like a couple hours, one hour? It seemed to be probably like an hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably like an hour we were in there trying to like 
game plan and just kind of shelter in place at the time. And then once the hospital started catching and stuff was exploding, I'm like, all right, this is not working out. And at that, and the good thing is, once we there was a bunch of nurses and doctors that wouldn't leave. Like I'm like, you guys need to leave, and they're like, no, we're not leaving until these. That was the big. Like, yeah. We got 24 people that need to be sent on. When they leave, we'll leave. So mm -hmm. that was kind of their their thing. They weren't leaving their patients, which was great for them. And so that's the motive. You know, we got to get these people out. So we got them all out. They left, and then I leave. And I remember, um, I don't know how. I don't remember the route I took to get out. To get to town, but I remember oh, it must have been it must have been Billy Road, the road that was impassable at one point. But some something somehow the roads were the cars were kind of pushed out. They had they had bulldozers. Cal Fire was yeah. running bulldozers and just shoving cars off the road and clearing them. And you never knew if the road was going to be open or not. You just right. had to make a decision to try to go. And there's so I made it and got got down uh, into the center of town area and I come through and I come down one of the the middle roads now and I got to shoot all the way over um, to another road and as I'm shooting over I'm going past the so we had two elementary school um, the first one I described earlier that I could see it's catching on fire the second elementary school I'm driving past that now and I there's a there's like probation officers in that intersection telling me not to go this way um, they're telling me not to go anyway really they're like, you can't go here I'm like well when I, I tried to turn around and go back the way I went um, and it was impassable. Like the flames were everywhere. And I'm like, this is not happening. Like, fuck. I was getting nervous. I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I volunteer for this job? Not <laughs> being a being a cop, but to take her down to Chico. I'm like, so that was my mission, right? I'm got to complete the mission. And now I'm like, why did I should have stayed at the parking lot? We were safe in the parking lot. Now I'm panicking again because fire's all around me. And so I I drive through uh, past the next elementary school, and because you know they're telling me not to do it. They're at that open intersection, so yeah, don't go here. And I'm like, well, I gotta do it. I gotta get her to the. I felt obligated to get her to the mortuary for some unknown reason. I don't know why, what, what, you know, what was going through my mind, but I felt like I had to complete that mission. So I drive into this thick black wall of smoke, and I remember panicking because now I see flames on both sides of me. I saw the elementary school on fire, and it was the darkest. So that that one section of road that I was on was the darkest I've ever seen it. So that was the worst, I, all day, that was the darkest section. There was just black, bellowing smoke. And I remember driving this, I remember panicking, thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I thought I was gonna die because I couldn't see where I was going. And I remember speeding up and just looking down at the very front edge of my cruiser, just trying to find the lines, just, just stay where the lines are and just drive. And I was like, Please, God, don't let there be any cars in front of me because I'm going to smash into it. I couldn't see five feet in front of my car. Like, it was that thick. And I was just, just need to get out of the smoke. So I just drove as fast as I could until I got to, like, this. they call Skyways the main road in and out of our town. And so I got to Skyway and it opened up. And I was like, thank God. Like, I was panicking. Uh, and I made it. It was, phew. Once I got to Skyway, I was like, yes. Because now I was at the bottom edge of town and I was at the main road to get out of town. So I made it to the main road to get out of town, and I couldn't go the southbound lanes. Um, you know, there was a guy there at the at the at the town limits telling me that the southbound lanes were all messed up. The fire had crossed over, and so don't take the southbound lanes. So I had to go southbound in the northbound lanes. And there's people coming up, and I'm going down, and so that I made it out of town. So I ended up going, got to the mortuary, dropped the body off, and the people at the mortuary when I showed up. 
I pull my cruiser up into their little intake area and they're like, how bad is it? And I'm like, it is paradise of dawn. <laughs> the town is gone. So I call my wife and I find out where she's at. She's in a parking lot in Chico. And I go meet up with her, give her a kiss and see the kids. And, and she asked me, she goes, how's our house? And I was like, it's not there. I didn't know it wasn't there, but I knew that from everything that I've seen, that the town was gone. I just said, babe, we don't have a town anymore. And so it was probably around 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe that's my time frame, just my guess. And so, so I, I gave her a kiss and a hug and said, yeah, I'm going back. And she's like, what do you mean you're going back? I'm like, I gotta go back, I'm going back. So I went and filled up my car and <clears throat> there was a local college at the bottom of the hill, uh, outside of Chico, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And that's kind of, that was our instant command center. Mm -hmm. So I drove over there, I filled up a fuel and went over there to check in. So, hey, where do you need me? And they're like, go home. And <laughs> they literally told me to go home. And I said, I said, I'm not going home. That's my town. Like, no, I'm not going home. And they're like, you've been up for 18 hours or whatever on shift, you need to go home. And I, I said, I remember he was a sergeant at the time. He still is actually. And so I, I look him in the eye and I said, I don't think you understand. I don't have a home. And it kind of caught him off guard and he looked at me and he goes, just have a seat over there then. He goes, just sit down over there and when we have something for you, we'll tell you what to do. So, cause he wanted me to go home. I'm like, I'm not going home. I'll sit here all day then. And so I sat there. <laughs> And I had my arms crossed. <laughs> it's like a little kid. Yeah. Put me yep. in coach. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and he's like, hey, he goes, I got a job for you. So he sent me back up. And I don't remember what the, oh. So at that point, the job was we were going to go back up. And we had a, he assigned me a section of town on the lower edge of town to look for anybody that was still sheltering in place or mm -hmm. you know, those type of things. And, and yeah. We're live again. Okay. All right, so you're pitching fit, sitting on the ground, arms crossed. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he tells me we're going to go up there and send me up there. He wants me to lead. Uh, so now we have a bunch of resources. So we have tons of cops from all over the North State just piling up. You know, you send that, hey, there's, there's a town on fire. We need resources. So they sent them. Yeah. And so I, they gave me a team of like, I don't even remember, probably like eight different cars from all over the area. And they're like, hey, I want you to go up and I want you to assign them to go on these roads, this, this section of town. They basically said let's say Pearson Road South. I want you to hit all the side roads all, and have them go check for survivors mm -hmm. and uh, check people that are stuck in their houses or whatever so we can get them back, at, we can get them out. So we go up there and we do that. Um, that's what I'm doing and so I remember just driving around and everything was obliterated, like all the houses were obliterated. I'm like, I, I get up there and I'm driving and the first thing that went through my head is there's no survivors. There's no shelter in place. There's nothing left. Like, no one made it through this. What were the houses in that area? Were they more block houses, wood frame, trailers? A mixture, not not block houses though. I think everything was like wood frame and trailers, some trailers and stuff in the mix. Um, yeah. So I'm up there for a while and then the, the night shift comes on. So it's now probably six o'clock in the evening. So you've been awake for I've been a awake. really long time. Really, yeah, since uh, 24 hours I've been in. In pretty much at work for 24 hours at, at that point and so the, the sergeant night shift guy comes on and he's, he's like yeah I gotta come here go home so he told me to go home I'm like I'm not going home 
I drove up in there and tried to get to my house, so I, where my house was. And so, and I hadn't even been on that side of town yet all day. So, as I'm driving over there, I drive past one of the fire stations, and the fire station's actively burning. And I, 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 I was recording. I actually, made a recording on my phone as I was driving because I'm right now I'm on my own time. I'm off. Just want to record everything, and just I don't know why I did it, but I yeah. was recording stuff, just maybe show my wife or whatever. But and I'm, I'm near, I remember narrating. I'm like, all right, I'm on Wagstaff passing as I'm passing the rows. I'm saying, calling it out. And I have my phone going, and I get to the fire station. I'm like, oh, there's the fire station on Wagstaff burning, and then drive past it, cross over the, the Skyway, head towards my area of town to my to my house and. Uh, everything was actively burning. I could see a huge orange glow in the direction of where my house would have been. And I couldn't get there because the intense heat. So the heat that I felt earlier on my windshield when I abandoned my vehicle, it was pretty comparable to that heat. I, I, there was embers all across the road. There was trees all across the road. And I could feel it bouncing. And my, my car was heating up on the inside. So. I made the decision that my house was probably on fire right at that moment because I could see orange glow in that general area. I was only a few blocks away from where my house was, and I couldn't get, I couldn't go any further. I was, it was getting hot, and the road was kind of impassable, and I'm like, I'm not going to die trying to check on my home. So I made a decision to turn around and go back. So Sarge told me to go home. I checked on my home and wasn't there, so I drove back down the hill to the college. I was like, all right, put me back in, coach. I'm <laughs> wow. Same guy I talked to earlier, who I said, he told me to go. Uh, what do you say? He, he's like, what are you doing? He goes, go home. I'm like, I'm not going home. I, this is, I am going to be here. And so he's like, he's like, takes a deep sigh and throws his hands up. He goes, and I go, you got to find something for me to do or I'm going to sit here. <laughs> so he's like, all right. I, he had me go evacuate the next neighboring town because the fire was circling back now and it was heading back towards back towards the origin point. What time? Of, we're 24 hours in. What time of day is this? So we're like at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. The next morning or night? Night. night. Okay, so you, you work the night shift. I this work. happened in the day and we're back tonight. Yes, now we're okay. back tonight. Um, so we go do evacuations <clears throat> and there's this one particular road, the Cherokee Road, that we wanted to evacuate. <clears throat> So we finished the evacuations on that, and <coughs> excuse me. At that point, I go home. So we go back to the college, say, "Hey, it's all been evacuated," and he said, "All right, go home so you can come back tomorrow." And so that's what I did. I went home. Which I probably made it home about midnight or one o'clock. Where did you sleep that night? Yeah, where's home now? <clears throat> In-laws? No. <clears throat> so for me. We had my wife's family all lived up there, and four uh, four houses of her family burned up. So everyone that lived up there burned up. Wow. So and all of, of course all the hotels were taken. So we stayed with the we had some friends that lived in Chico, and they had his brother living. You know, moved. You know, his brother lost their house. So mm -hmm. His brother's family had one room. We had another room. I don't remember how many of us were staying there for a few days. We stayed uh, mainly the, my wife and kids stayed because I was at work, but I think there was probably 15 or 20 people combined with, with kids and adults that were in. pretty common, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of setups like that. Just kind of living, living it up yeah. together. Let's talk about your, the post-fire work schedule. I don't think a lot of people understand how that goes or what that looks like. You say so you didn't stop working for a week or two, right? Yeah, it was a few weeks. Um, 
it's I believe it was a, a, a few weeks of just hardcore uh, grueling 14-hour shifts. It was 12-hour shifts, but you had to be at a briefing an hour before, mm -hmm. and then you come in, got off work, uh, you had to do the debrief and mm -hmm. turnover gear, and then, so I would say it was about 14-hour days, and it was for two or three weeks. Yeah. That, no days off. I don't remember. I remember the first time I got a day off, it seemed like forever, and so, <clears throat> yeah, we were just, it seemed like forever before I got days off. So your wife's at home handling everything. I'm getting off work. I remember I got off of work. Uh, one morning, you know, the, I, my uniform is completely charred with like black soot all over it because whatever we were doing, I don't know, throughout the nights, but I, I remained on night shift. What color were your uniforms? Brown, green? They were brown. They were tan. Yeah. Yeah, tan tops. You, and you keep all your stuff at home, so was everything else gone? You had one set of... I had the set that I had one uniform. The uniform I wore that day to for the fire was the only thing I had at that point. How many days in a row did you wear that uniform? I washed it every night. Yeah, Did you? yeah. It was just I'd come home and wash it. That's all I had. Yeah. We literally, besides my my like I said, the kids' Xbox, <laughs> the, <laughs> the guns and the dogs. That's what we had. We'd have nothing. Um, so yeah, the next morning, actually, when I got sent home, that right after the fire, mm -hmm. I get home at midnight. We wake up and we go to Target. How long did you sleep? Probably five or six hours. Did you sleep? That first night, I was curled in the fetal position, and like I was so, I had never experienced stress like that in my life. And I've just been to a lot of things like this, and I just was like sick, and like my body was in fight or flight mode for so many hours that it was the weirdest night. I, I was like cramped for I don't know a few hours and went back to work. I don't know if yours was similar, but so we we haven't talked about that yet. So Seth worked this fire too. Yes. And your house burned up in this fire. Yes. Well. Do that in part two of this episode. That that's a different story. <laughs> but that's what he's talking about. So he was there on the other side working, and he also lost his home. Yeah. And we're, so we go to Target because we have to get, I, I said I need socks, underwear, and T-shirts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I can work, you know, go to work. So we're, we're walking through Target, and you can tell everybody in that store was from Paradise. The look on their face, just look of de desperation. And all the shopping carts had like pillows in them and socks and underwear. It was like a, it was, it's not, I laugh just now, but it wasn't funny at the time. It was just a, a store full of desperate people. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'll never forget the looks on everyone's faces and yeah, it sucked. But the good thing too was, is, or one of the good things was, is <clears throat> you'd bump into people from paradise that you can, you know, you can be like, oh, give him a hug. You're like, oh yeah, thank God. We at that time did not know how many people died. I, yeah. if you would have asked me that day, I would have, I would have said a quarter of the town's people perished in that fire. How um, many did that? What's the, yeah, I believe 85 was the, 85 was the, and town of how many? 30,000? 30,000. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's not good, but that's like, yeah, it's very fortunate that more didn't die. Yeah. And so it was just, You'd bump into people, and it was a great feeling. Do you know? Do you know the details on those numbers? Like how many were like your woman you transported from the emergency room, or how many were people that were in the process of dying already? So I, I believe those numbers are the fact that I, I can almost 
attest that those numbers died from the fire, not from, like the lady that I transport, I don't think she's one of those numbers. Gotcha. Um, these were fire-related deaths because <clears throat> the electric company that started the fire was mm -hmm. taken to court. To, to court over those deaths. And so they had to attribute the death to the fire. I think gotcha. there might have been 86 was the original number, mm -hmm. but they can only prove that 85 were caused by the fire. Hmm. I know a lot of them were elderly people in their yeah. homes that weren't couldn't make it out couldn't make it out didn't yeah. have any idea probably until their house was on fire yeah you gotta think of that like the er people shelter the older people sheltered in place like might have at home health care or a caretaker yeah. hospice all these places right. there's people in their cars there were quite a few of those too I'm, I'm, yeah. so that day when i when i was down there pouting uh for the first time <laughs> my first pout session when they told me to go home i'm like i don't have a home i'm sitting in the corner waiting <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my good friends who went to the academy with me and everything, and he's, we still live together, he goes up there and they send him up there. And they're looking for survivors. Mm -hmm. And I, he found, they, I remember him coming across the radio saying they found their first, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the code for dead person's 1144, coroner's case. <laughs> Told you. So, so we, this is an ongoing conversation we have. Um, <laughs> they have a different code. Yeah. Uh, so every, he gets on the radio and says they found a, Confirmed 1144, so they found the first set of them. And he, I remember talking to him about that. And he says that it was a car, and there were some people outside the car, and someone left in the car, and you could tell that they were trying to flee from the vehicle and mm -hmm. didn't make it. Like, right. so I, I saw, I mean, some of them, you know, this is graphic, but I had never seen, I've seen lots of burned bodies, but some burned down to the skeleton, which just like. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? It's wild. I have never seen that. I've seen a part. Oh, this is. Like a, where that happens on part of them, but the rest of them is no. That's wild. That is interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. It, it, the heat from that fire is just incredible. So let's talk about that real quick. The when you're looking for survivors, how eerie is that feeling? It's pretty eerie, um, because you're like I said, you don't expect to find them mm -hmm. after you. you the aftermath of everything and the ash and everything. You don't expect to find them. I didn't find any. Well, the yeah. next day, I, I mean, I found bodies. Yeah. I didn't find survivors. That's crazy. Yeah, I've done that too. The post um, tornadoes, hurricanes, all the Florida, or even a couple fires, but Florida type disasters. It's like you're going door to door, there's no people, everybody's gone. You know nobody's in there, but like, let's say there's a half a trailer left from a <laughs> tornado or something. You have to climb in the other half and like yeah. look for it. Or a trees, there's three trees on a house from a hurricane, and you're like, damn, I, I gotta go. I know they're not alive if they're in there. I gotta right. climb in that bastard. And right. Where where is it gonna be? What's, yeah. What am I gonna see here? Yeah. But yeah, there's nobody to talk to. There's no. It's like it's almost like a like you were talking about the auditory exclusion thing. That every time I've done that, that's what happens. Like there's nothing else going on around me. It's just like what. Uh, so you've been to lots of fires since this one. Yes, because um, that's a big part of the job there. Uh, what do you have any lasting? Um, I don't know what, reactions now to when you go to another fire. So last summer, um, after this fire, I ended up becoming a detective at work, and then I, the way it works at our agency is they prom I promoted to sergeant, so I stepped down. I stepped out of the detective role, and now I'm a patrol sergeant. The aftermath of this fire is, is for us, we got a lot of fire training. <laughs> That's uh, good. We now 
So my role as a, as a supervisor at work, when there's a fire that kicks off and I'm the watch commander, I immediately go to the fire incident command center and I, I link up with the battalion chief. So the battalion chief's running things, mm -hmm. he's putting his fire resources where he needs them. I find him and we door up or I jump in his car or whatever mm -hmm. and he's talking on like, it's crazy, they talk on like five radios. I couldn't do it. I, I have to manage one radio and these guys are like, and they're just, and it's literally, I'm just standing there and he knows I'm there, I'm standing behind him and I'm waiting for my turn. So he's doing tell you his thing. Yeah. He'll turn around and look at me and he goes, all right, what do you need? And so I just, you know, he tell, he knows what I need. I need the, the, the size of the fire, the rate of the spread yeah. and, and where it's directing, uh, where it's being pushed and any evacuation. So mm -hmm. he can tell me what he needs and I relay that to my guys. I have a, we have like a staging area we set up now. So wherever the, I come up with that as I'm driving. So I'm driving towards the instant command center to link up with the battalion chief. I come up with a staging area. So I have a counter cart or uh, another guy that I can have managed staging area. Mm -hmm. So cops start flowing in, resources start coming, they're all at the staging area. And the battalion chief tells me what he needs or what he needs evacuated. I relay that message and then my guy at the staging area deploys the troops. So we're a lot better prepared now. So like you, you have interagency protocols now, is that what you're saying? We definitely have interagency protocols. We train with them, we have meetings fire with them. We did not, um, that I'm aware of. None of us yeah. on the ground troops do it. So back to your story. So last summer I promoted, this is what I'm doing now. I'm driving the fire. Uh, the first fire that I drove in, so I had an explorer at the time. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, fire guys are, they do their thing. They, they bulldoze a road hella fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they, fire roads, I learned about fire roads. And so I never knew about that till last summer. So they're like, yeah, where's the battalion chief? Oh, he's down over there at this fire road. There's a red sign that says fire road. And I drive up there. So I get up there and I'm looking for the battalion chief and I find a couple of fire prevention officers and they're in these trucks and they're on this grassy knoll. And so I park my car and go over to them. Like, hey, where's the battalion chief? I think he's around the, run over there. And like, you just drive through Rocky Road. Like you just make your own roads with these guys. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I go back to my patrol vehicle and there's a fire blazing around my car. <laughs> my <laughs> patrol explorer caught the grass on fire. <laughs> so the hand crews that are like working on the fire now come running over to my car. I jump in my car and reverse it. And there's like a big round circle that's just spreading. And so the hand crews leave their original fire there and they're working on this real quick. <laughs> Who let the cop in here? Yeah, exactly. Come like, on. I am that idiot. Cop. Did you leave it running? Is that what happened? Yeah. yeah. Well, I drove in like, you know, hundred miles an hour to get there. Yeah. So Tip. And left it running and yeah. So anyways, I find the fire guy. But yeah, when, when I'm driving to this fire for the first, so I learned that I need a truck. So they got me a truck because <laughs> I'm going to be following these fire guys into this. You know, the explorers are pretty low to the ground too. So yes. could have just been touching the grass. Because my yeah, and my boss, who's lieutenant, was with me, and he was an F-150, yeah. and his didn't do. It. And I'll, I'm, I parked where all the other guys were parked, yeah. just to explore. Yeah. So yeah. So that was kind of a long answer, but I'm driving there for the first time. This is my first fire that I'm going to, and I'm literally hyperventilating, and I'm tearing up, I'm like crying as I'm driving because I didn't want to go to the fire. Mm -hmm. So that was my reaction to fire and I don't like being at fires. We had another big fire last year that burned up another town in our in our county. Uh, the, it started out as the Bear Fire and then it worked its way to the North Complex Fire because separate fires con conjoined and mm -hmm. just took over multiple counties and another town. So a second town in our community burned up, it was crying. Is, is that uh, the Fire that burned Sam's house that we decided. Yes, that's that, the fire. So that my partner I worked with yeah. uh, at the campfire, um, he lived in another town. His burned down last year, so it's, it's a crazy. It's a rite of passage there. 
Yeah, that's uh, a horrible rite of passage. Yeah, it is. It is. So. I gotta ask though, these these towns that are up there, up, California's been burning forever. Like, is there not any barriers or protection? Like, they don't put anything in place to try to protect the the town or the houses on the edge of town. Like, so paradise was different because it was a whole town. It was mm -hmm. a town that burned. Right. So the community of like Berry Creek uh, that last year's fire whatever that we're talking about that's more of a just a rural it's not much of a town like okay. there's no it's like a community or an it's area a, it's an area that yeah. that has a name scarcely populated yeah. it might be one general store kind yeah of one post yeah. office it's there's no traffic lights there's no you know, stop signs it's kind of weird i know in florida our problems like florida brush is so dense and so thick it's scrub oaks and palmettos and pine trees it's it's everything it just it's full of oil, it burns hot, it burns mm -hmm. fast. And people, builders or developers, will come in and cut off these houses, like these rural area communities. And they'll, like, some of them literally have like 10 feet between their house and a like 12 foot wall of that stuff. And it's not, it's like, we should be better than this. Like, we know this is not good. We know we have two dry seasons. We know fires run fast here because it's flat. Like, this should not be happening. Is that not the. Well, they like, is that not the same in California? Is it the same? It is the same. Yeah. Like you, you would think that these people would have fire clearance or whatever, but I'll tell you, these fires that are coming, you can even if you have clearance, it's not the the ash and oh, yeah. the embers that are being blown. They're just <clears throat> dropping out of the sky and catching stuff on fire. So there's some there's some West Coast towns back in the day. <coughs> I want to say developed in the fifties, sixties, that kind of stuff. Like with the whole town had a fire break around. It was smaller and like obviously easier to do but it, it was built into the development process i don't know that that would have helped uh, like in the campfire the, the fire was spotting miles ahead because mm -hmm. the winds were so strong so i don't know if that yeah, that's always going to happen yeah but it, it, it that gives the people more chance to shelter more chance to create yeah. like a safe or safer space um, and the brush if you keep the brush of the fire load inside the town down then there's less stuff to burn, right? So. Yeah, I like for my house. I know uh, I had good setbacks. Um, the the wind was so strong, all the pine needles blew into my gutter that morning. I remember leaving yeah. for work that morning. I was like, I should go blow my gutters out, but I don't have time. And I'm sure that's where the embers started. And then I had two cords of really nice dry oak leaning against my house, so it was a, a recipe for disaster yeah. for me. It's crazy. Yeah. Shall we wrap this up? Yeah, I think so. It's been this be a long one, another hour and a half. Wow. Good story though. When Joe comes, we talk for a while. Yeah. That's good. Joe's got the got some interesting stories. I've seen a so lot. So we'll wrap this up with part two and Seth's side of the campfire. Yeah. And Sam. We're gonna bring Sam on one day. Yeah. We'll, we'll we do a part three of the campfire. Or do you want to do yours with him? We we maybe hmm. Let me talk to him about that. Maybe we'll do a part three because he's got a whole story about when his house burned down, not in the campfire, but last year. Last year, yeah. And he was working that one. Yeah, so a separate one with him. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right, well, All right. thank you, Joe. Yeah, thanks, thanks Joe. Thanks for sharing. Thanks yeah. for showing up again. And I'll talk to you soon.